Hey everybody, Matt Michaels here on the DeFalco Files with the owner and creator of FSW, the future stars of wrestling here in Las Vegas, Mr. Joe DeFalco. Joe, how's it going? Gearing up for the uh, big 14th anniversary show on, Jan on <laughs> January, June 18th, Father's Day, uh, that Sunday coming up. Uh, what's it been like for you uh, this past week? I guess you can call it the calm before the storm. Uh, you know, we came off, I guess, about 10 days ago, the uh, AEW full tilt weekend. And now it's just trying to get things in place. You know, if you've listened, you've heard about the uh, chaotic ticket situation. Uh, and I'm happy to yeah. say maneuvering all the tickets that had to be done uh front row is officially sold out okay so now it's moving on to the second row uh a few of the wrestlers have sold some tickets but hopefully a lot more of them come in and hoping to pack the place um i saw a question this week that i thought was very relevant uh to anyone who you know listens and comes to the shows and that was um a wrestler had said that they had tickets and a fan had said, I didn't know I could get tickets through you. I thought I had to get them specifically through the box office. How did that whole thing get resolved in terms of uh, the guys being able to sell tickets themselves? Well, again, they're not selling physical tickets. Everybody's, you know, the same person goes on and talks about buying tickets for a comedy show but I don't understand why it's so difficult to understand the process of what's going on here because they've had it so easy to where they don't even buy the ticket through the FSW Vegas. They just send it to the PayPal. Right. And that's not how it works this time. And it's like, it's been the same way 150 times. Now it's different. You know, we need to adjust. It's right. Nick Xander doesn't have physical tickets. Nick Xander either has them buy the tickets through them, but if he wants to get credit, then they send him the money, and then he sells me the money, and then I purchase the tickets un under my name because I have to pay for them at this point from the money that I've received, and then at that point, the email address doesn't become mine. It becomes the, the purchaser of the tickets. Gotcha. So Garth got some tickets. Hey, Garth, give me your email address. So now Garth had the six tickets transferred. He paid me. I paid them. And now the issue with that becomes I don't have that money anymore. I give that to the Silverton box office. And right. then three weeks after the show. And it looks like we just lost Joe here for for a second. So far he dropped out. Um, very interesting. Okay. Yeah, we're going to have to. Uh, there we go. Well, now it says 
Oh. Huh. Okay.
Who knows what's wrong with this computer? I I went to the other one, Chrome, and it's like, oh, is your camera plugged in? It's like, it's like it's the same situation. So the light's working. Let's see how long. All right, I'm gonna start it over, um, just because of the fact that I can't pause and record something. I just have to do a clean edit. All right. Are we starting from scratch? Yeah. Yeah, we were only about three minutes in anyway, so. Yeah, that's fine. You know, the antivirus thing comes up every fucking second. Oh, bad. All right. Hey, everybody, it's Matt Michaels here on the DeFalco Files with the owner and creator of FSW, the future stars of wrestling here in Las Vegas, Mr. Joe DeFalco. And Joe, on June 18th, uh, it's a Sunday, it's Father's Day, and it's your 14th anniversary show. How are things going getting prepared for the show? Well, it feels like deja vu. I feel like I just heard this question like 10 minutes ago. But, uh, you know, uh, it's the calm before the storm storm we finished up shows 10 days ago a big big weekend we were involved uh we were involved with a bunch of shows obviously the connection there's issues but we'll try to get through this and you know we got a lot of stuff going on this weekend we're doing some stuff at the school with uh my buddy omar with the silver knights and we're going to be filming a commercial that uh hopefully will be airing through the season if you go to any of their the knights games or silver knights or the night hawks you know they all have different video things with with different people involved that they play so it's definitely going to be good exposure you know for fsw uh, you know, we're working on some things for the anniversary still. Uh, I can announce Disco Inferno is making an appearance. Wow. It's been a wow. while. I'm, I, I wow. think the last time uh, we saw Disco was SummerSlam weekend when uh, Effie uh, beat him at the FSW Arena in probably the most anticipated match of the evening. Uh, what is Disco? Is Disco participating in the uh, the Battle Royal, or is he? Uh, uh, we're discussing it. He, he's had some hip injuries, so you know, Disco is much more enjoyable when he is debating somebody on a microphone. Yeah. So you know, a Lava Lounge is right now the betting favorite over at uh, Barley's Casino right now. You know, that's minus uh, 350. And wrestling a match, you know, that that's that's a big underdog. That's like plus $6. So, you, you know, you might want to take a shot, giving you some inside information. And it's, you know, kind of a pick em of 
you're going to get involved physically. So we're still figuring out Disco Inferno's involvement. Because Disco has been a major part. Hey, maybe Disco does some commentary. Who knows? Sure. Disco and D'Lo. You know, that would be an interesting combination. You know, that that actually would have been a fascinating match back in 1998. Disco versus D'Lo. I think both of them, for whatever reason, get so underrated in terms of their work rate. And if you go back and you watch those guys work, they were so good at, you know, 97, 98, 99, kind of in the, the peak of what they were doing, that that matchup to me would have been fascinating to see. I'll be honest with you, character-wise, since he lives in Vegas and we did use him and I did work with him for a long time, the Godfather versus Disco Inferno. Now, yeah. that, that could have been some magic on a microphone right there. Yeah. Um, you know, I uh, mentioned the Battle Royal. Uh, for those people who don't know, especially those younger wrestlers who might not know anything past, uh, you know, 2010, uh, before that came before, uh, explain a little bit about Nick Bockwingle, why he meant something to Las Vegas, and how the idea came about of naming the battle royal after him and um then we could talk a little bit about uh, some of the participants that are going to be in it well for the uh, younger fans nick bockwinkle was not the creator of rocky and bullwinkle where you know some people may have thought but <laughs> nick bockwinkle uh was probably the longest reigning awa champion of all time uh, wrestled hundreds of times at the showboat in Las Vegas. One of the best talkers in the business, yet he still had a manager, Bobby Heenan. Yeah. And that's what took them to that next level. Having a great talker, talker along with another great talker as your manager. And, and Nick was the guy who presented himself. You know, he was, a, he was the original guy who you could call the 1%. He was that guy who, you know, stood out, dressed to the nines, always seemed to be very, very wealthy, was a fantastic technical wrestler who didn't really need the cheat to win. And Nick was a staple in Las Vegas. So when we created the uh, Hall of Fame, Scott Hosey was friends with Nick, who I knew also through the CAC, but right. his wife was still alive. And when I told uh, Scott that I wanted to present Nick as one of the first guys to enter the Hall of Fame, because that was a slam dunk. You know, he, he was the first Vegas wrestler, per se, that throughout the years, because he was also a commissioner in WCW and he did stuff in WWF, but that was long after his career was done. And the great part was that Nick's wife was very appreciative of us having a ceremony. And, you know, she came down and accepted the award on Nick's behalf. And being that we did it right before the anniversary show, it's like, hey, let's create the Nick Bockwinkle Memorial Battle Royal. 
and uh, we've done that ever since. Even while the Hall of Fame hasn't been going on, the Nick Bockwinkel Memorial Battle Royal has. Uh, And with the Battle Royal, what is on the line for uh, the wrestlers involved? Uh, Say that again. What is on the line with the Battle Royal for the wrestlers involved? Well, it, you know, it is a stepping stone. Guys like Chris Bay were in it and and numerous guys who you hadn't really seen before. Uh, it was a lot of first opportunities in that situation. So doing it now, it's that continuation. You're going to see a lot of uh, the younger wrestlers that you might see on Future Shock, for example. But you will also see some of the guys that aren't part. Hey, did you get, did we get you back? <laughs> yeah, you know, I, I had the circle of death on both of the lines. So I don't know if it was you, if it was me, if you were able to hear me, whatever. But as I was saying, uh, you're going to see guys like a Ricky Tenacious, a Kevin Koa, uh, Devin Reno, uh, Big Fonz is going to be a part of it, as well as the Brandon G's and the Mere Morning Stars and the A.J. Avens, and some of the guys that are trying to get their foot in the door on the FSW roster. And an impressive performance on the Battle Royal, which will open the show, is a good way to get you going. Yeah. Uh, What's the odds of uh, the over-under of Jimmy Jack winning this Battle Royal? Jimmy Jack, you know, uh, the most important battle royal he had ever participated in, he did win. So, you know, he has an advantage in that situation. You know, he got the opportunity to win a match, again, to, to actually win the battle royal, gave him a match against the Nevada State champion, Gregory Sharp. So for a young guy like Jimmy Jack who's coming along, yep. he earned himself a great opportunity. Yeah, it's uh, it's something that is uh, pretty special to see and uh, is a good opportunity. Uh, you know, you mentioned it's going to kick the show off. Uh, do you have anything planned for um, uh, any uh, pre-show matches? Uh, yes, we do. Uh, it is going to be a tag match, and I'm just trying to get confirmation. But uh, your favorite tag team, the Suavecitos, yes. will be in action. Good. Good. You know, Joe, they should be on the main card going for the belts, but that's just me. Well, they should, but, uh, you know, unfortunately, the Bullet Club uh, made that request. So, you know, maybe the Suavecitos with a pre-show win will get an opportunity to wrestle whoever wins the tag titles. I was going to say, if the uh, Bullet Club wins the titles here, I mean, the Suavecitos versus bullet club you're printing money right there that's just that's just hand over the money right there 
Well, they, they got to get past the regulators. You know, it's easy to it's easy to fuck people up when you jump them from behind. But when they did have a match, the regulators won. That's true. That's true. It's going to be uh, interesting to see how they do. Um, you know, you started putting out some of the matches um, right now. Uh, let's start uh, with the women's title match. Um, and I think uh, the other day, uh, Rochelle Riveter uh, put out uh, a video, and um, it seems like she's ready to uh, potentially take the title from Viva Van. Well, you can say that, but I, but I would just hope that whoever is challenging, no matter who they are, are confident enough in their ability to, to win something. And, you know, Rochelle has got a great track record. So uh, she should feel confident, but never underestimate Viva Van, who has not only in Vegas, but all over, beat some of the the best competition that she has been in the ring with. So she has earned that title and she has kept it. And, you know, Maserati thought she was just going to walk back in, you know, strut her stuff and become the champ. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's been and well, what are we on? We're on we're on at least a year, right? For Viva as champion. Is that correct? Uh, I got to recall. I, I know we had uh, the tournament and I'd actually have to look back. To see when Viva actually won the title. Yeah. You know, I know we are coming up on uh, one year of Gregory Sharp winning it at the 13th anniversary show. Right. Uh, I know Viva didn't win it, or at least I don't believe. I'm pretty sure Viva won it at the uh, FSW Arena. Right. Yeah, it's just just interesting that... um, for the time that she's been champion it just it seems longer because of the fact that um she actually has you know defended the title numerous times here it's um you know it's been great to see her as a regular um is that something that if you look back three years ago let's say that you didn't really expect was to see the way the women's division is growing for you because you know there was times there that we we would have conversations about just how tough it was to get women in and now you have women like uh you know moving to vegas uh to just be a part of the wrestling scene out here well yeah i'll I'll tell you what you know we relied probably too much on a core of two or three women. And at that time, it was probably really early in Alice Blair training to where she was not ready for anything yet. Uh, Tanaya hadn't, wasn't even around. Right. But now Rochelle moved to Las Vegas. Gypsy Mac moved to Las Vegas. Uh, Viva Van became an integral part of FSW. 
Uh, now we add Alice Blair, and now we added Tanaya, and now Brittany Brooks is a mainstay, and right. J-Rod, and, you know, the, those last two that you just mentioned, they'll both be at Future Shock, and they're both going to be at either the July 14th or 29th show. And Brittany Brooks has really maintained that she wants to be a part of things. You know, a lot of times there's people who want to be a part of FSW, men, women, uh, you know, but financially there's a disconnect because in a lot of cases, somebody feels that if somebody pays them outside their X amount of dollars, that that's their value. Now, more power to you. Obviously, if you get on AEW, you're going to get paid way more than what your rate would normally be anyway. But if you're going to go do an independent show and your your, your rate is X amount of dollars, I'm probably not going to pay that. Now, if you're on the outside looking in, you're going to be like, wow, this place paid me X amount of dollars and FSW, you know, they're supposed to be this big deal, but they're only going to pay me this amount of dollars. And the answer to that is when you go on that other show, they're usually paying decent money to two, three, maybe four of the participants on the show. In our case on a bigger show, we're paying 15 to 20 of those people because we want it to be a better show. So in turn, we're also giving you great exposure. We're giving you the opportunity to work really good matches against really good people. And that was the reason why guys like the Reno scum would drive from Reno for a very limited payment because they got to work Brian Kendrick and Paul London in the tag match and the commandos and all these guys, they got to work really good people. So nobody's really squabbling over 50 bucks or 30 bucks or 75 bucks. It's like, this is what we can pay you. You know, the difference is that person's going to say, Hey, we want to have you on our show. How much do you want? Well, being a wrestler, I don't know you. I'm going to charge you what I feel is the best rate that I can I can get. Right. Now, in most cases, to get on my show, you're hitting me up. And if you're not hitting me up, it's because one of my top 15 wrestlers has said, Hey, Joe, like Chris Bay, for example, says... Hey, bro, I got a guy coming to your show, and he didn't even know his name other than his wrestling name, Big Fonz. So Big Fonz comes down to the show. Well, Big Fonz kind of lives in that NorCal area, and he, he, he works regularly. So he has to fly himself in to get there. Well, for a brand new guy working on a future shock, I'm not affording that kind of flight. But because he comes from Knox Pro and guys like Rikishi, and Sefa and Toa say, bro, that's great that you're doing well over there, but you need to get to FSW. So these guys are going to do whatever it takes. Big Fonz got looked at because top people who have worked for me recommended him. 
And, and that's how that cycle has gone from, you know, day one, where, you know, Tito brought Che and they brought Douglas James and they brought Eli Everfly, who then progressed to, you know, a Lucas Riley or that whole Santino's crew. You know, it might have been how we got Matt Vandergriff the first time. I don't remember. But he was from Santino's. Right. So that held, that held a lot of weight. So the thing is, hey, I'd really like to work for your company. And as I told Brittany Brooks and J-Rod, it's like, hey, this is Future Shop. You know, this is what the pay is. I'd love to have you. And I'm not saying you're not worth more money, but this is getting your foot in the door. And some people, the Arizona crew, the the those guys, Devin Reno, class, it was a Future Shock. And... Hammerstone and Dom hit me up and said, hey, there's a guy, Class, one of our top guys. I think you'd love him. He wants to uh, work for you. Okay, let's see. We put him on the Future Shock, blah, blah, blah. We had him work Jordan Cruz. Guess what? They both impressed enough that they're both on the shows. And crazy enough, now it looks like they're aligned together. So, you know, it's a crazy three years. And every day in my inbox, whether it's an email or it is a Facebook message. It is, hey, by the way, I'm interested in coming in. And the first thing I say, because I see, hey, located in Orlando, Florida, located in Dallas, Texas. No offense, but unless you are a major name and a big name that we're bringing into the show, I am not going to pay your way to get out here. Right. If you can make your way out here, obviously after I look at the stuff, I'll make that recommendation. But for the Future Legends tournament, when AEW weekend was in town, those guys like Jared Diaz and them made it a weekend. And the same thing, they get sponsors. A Robert Martyr gets himself out here for an opportunity. He impresses everybody. Chris Bay, hey, you know anybody, you know, for this Future Legends tournament? Well, he recommended Martyr. He recommended Eli Knight. Jared Diaz recommended Richard King. All these guys are tremendous. And that's why you make friends in this business. That's why you go to seminars to learn in this business. It, It is a clicky situation. And sure, is it always great that way? No, of course not. But... If Remy Marcel says, hey, this kid, Jack Paint, Jake Painter, really wants to come out. He's pretty good. Blah, blah, blah. Well, we got him back out for Future Shock, and he's been trying to get on some shows. And, you know, it's difficult because we do have so many people. And then there's all of a sudden you find a diamond in the rub. And then all of a sudden there's an FSW student who, like a Jimmy Jack, explodes. And it's like, man, you, you pretty much want to get him on as many shows as you can to to, to, right. to grow because he needs the experience. He needs the reps. Then all of a sudden, you know, we reconnect with Royce and Jarrell and they want to be a part of this. Hey, am I supposed to turn that opportunity down? Of course not. And then there's Tito and there's Che and we got to get Hammerstone back in the mix and Graves, you know, he worked natural born killers. You know, he is one of the most loyal guys I have ever had, and he's been with me for 10 years. And it's just like a hiatus. There's no heat. There's no issues. There's no nothing. 
But to have Graves come all the way in to beat up one of my students, eh, you know, unless I really dislike him, there, there's really not much upside to that. Right. So you're trying to mix. You're trying to match. You're trying to get things. Hey, Joe, my partner, Ace Austin, you know, I was talking with him. We might be able to work out a good deal. Love to work the anniversary show. Nah, sorry, Chris. I got to make sure Demir Morningstar's on the show. I don't need Ace Austin. You know, it, it, it is a business. I'm looking at it in a fan's perspective. What do I want on the show? Well, I want Demir Morningstar and AJ Avon to get experience in FSW, but I'm not going to turn down an opportunity for a main event talent that's going to come in at, you know, a brother-brother rate. Right. So it's like, hey, maybe you're not making this show, one of you younger guys, or maybe you're going to be in the Battle Royal. Not that those guys lost out on any match because it wasn't like those young kids were going to get a match. Okay. Right. You know, let's not, you know, get crazy in that situation. But the bottom line is there are still only so many spots on the Battle Royal. Well, right. Sky High has to have a spot on that show. If the lower end student's going to be on that show, if it's not in a tag team match, well, then I guess it has to be in the Battle Royal. Because as entertaining as it might be, Vegas has seen the Suavecitos and Sky High in a match together probably a thousand times. So right. it's like, well, let, let's keep them out of that. And so they're going to be in there. Yeah, you know, I hit up Big Fonz, and I, I wasn't even thinking about it. And it's like, you know, it's a Battle Royal spot. But for our fan base to get behind people, they need to see them. So it's right. like, hey, this is what we got going on for July. You let me know. Because I know he's got to work it around a work schedule. Sometimes Fridays are more difficult. So you, you, But you want that guy on there because he's a guy with shit tons of potential who could be at that next level. You know, he's right. doing big things without FSW's help in any way. You know, he portrays the young rock in the as a stunt double in the wrestling scenes. Well, that means he's probably going to be looked at a lot more scrutiny than somebody else. He's got a right. good look. He's got a lot of size. He's got charisma. So, and he's already on a national platform. That's good on the resume. So, if we can help in any way by helping ourselves, that's that's the tremendous upside. You know, a guy like Cody's injured. Well, you know, he's a mainstay who'd be on the anniversary show, but he's injured. So, you know, not that it's fortunate, but they're cycles. So it's easier to cycle somebody out when they're hurt. You know, right. it's tough. Graves is being cycled out just because there isn't the right thing for him right now. You know, right. Jay Vidal, he's back full time. Okay, now we got to work on stuff. Danny Limelight has made it a point to be here full time. Well, those are top end guys. You know, we've added with Tito Che, Royce Jarrell, Jay Vidal, Danny Limelight. And, you know, a Hammerstone who took a bit of a hiatus, a Kenny King, 
you know, there's eight to ten main event players who have in the last six months have really stepped into a full time role. Right. Well, that eliminates a lot of things. But fortunately, we have a battle royal to get some people on. Uh, fortunately, we have an FSW GCW show. We have a legend show. It gets the Bodies on that show. It gets them on some shows. Were there people that didn't get on shows that were deserving? A thousand percent. It shows you how talented our roster is when the two guys that are challenging Ice Williams for the heavyweight championship were nowhere to be seen on a show AEW weekend. Right. True. So it's just back, forth, back, forth, back, forth. And it's like trying to find spots, not and making sure that somebody isn't gone for so long that they're forgotten about. You got to keep, keep relevancy. There's, you know, there's special attractions. Chris Bay kind of when he's available. A lot of times the schedule runs, unfortunately, with impact. So Jay Vidal and, and, and we had to, you know, change dates in the middle of announcing them because certain major players weren't available. And again, when it comes to a school show, not the biggest deal. We can, we can adjust. If you don't make the show, you know, there's going to be 10, 12 guys that are regulars that won't be on those types of shows every single time anyway. But when we're doing our big four, you know, anniversary, no escape, survival of the fittest, uh, the formerly known as against all odds, luck of the draw, and maybe even an FSW GCW show or a couple of meccas for the year, whatever that is, you know, those are the super shows, six to eight, hopefully right. eight, because we're looking at FSW GCW as, you know, two times a year uh, as a major event on our schedule because, you know, when despite everything you've done, the most watched show was FSW GCW, you figure out how to do it more. Um, you know, you mentioned the heavyweight championship. What, uh, what led to that being what you thought would be um, a, a good matchup uh, and opportunity for all three guys? Because that was kind of one of those matches that um, we can't necessarily say was built up per se, uh, you know, with a story directly going on between Ice and and, uh, and Hero and Shogun. Um, what, what kind of caught your eye and made you go, you know what, I want to see that? Well, I, I'll be a, a thousand percent honest with you. We were looking outside. Uh, the initial thought was Hero and Shogun were going to be part of the Battle Royal. Because, okay. you know... The, they had finished up as a tag. They hadn't been getting along. Uh, so it was like, okay, well, you know, they'll be in the Battle Royal. And we reached out to Tom Lawler, who was involved, and Royce Isaacs, who that were involved in the match with the faction. And there's history there and the 1% going after the tag belts. And they were unavailable. And a guy that Ice had a run-in with, 
at the last Mecca before the pandemic in a four-way with TJ Perkins, who I knew was coming back from Japan. And crazy enough, TJ wasn't going to be back from Japan till the day after our show, June 19th. And it was like, wow, you know, I'm scouring like, We've got the entire card set except who Ice Williams is going to wrestle. And being the anniversary show, we wanted to be, you know, somebody that the people could look at and be like, yeah, that's definitely a match I want to see. And while I was sitting in my office last week, I got a knock on the door. And it was Shogun. And Shogun, you know, with his usual swagger. You know, kind of like, so it's going on for the anniversary, you know, (laughs) and, you know, word travels. I may have mentioned it to him, but never really said anything in stone. And I'm like, well, yeah, it looks like, you know, you're going to end up being in the battle royal. And it was like, well, who's wrestling Ice Williams? I'm like, well, yeah, you know, we're kind of still figuring that out. You know, we hit up a couple of people. And he's like, well, why aren't I wrestling Ice Williams? And I'm like, well, uh, to be honest with you, I I guess I I don't know. And then he reeled off, you know, the fact that, you know, I never got a title shot after I won the Rumble and was supposed to get a title shot that night, which is 100% correct. Ice Williams, you know, he's a guy who... He's always looking for that, you know, he's looking for that superstar. He's looking. Hey, why don't you hit up this guy? I love to work him. You know, everybody's got ideas of who they'd love to work. And the more I talked with Shogun, it was like, you know, he kind of got screwed out of his initial tag team run with Kenny King. The pandemic hit. They wrestled like the Mecca a month after they won the belts. And then they didn't defend him again, even though they held the belts for like a year. Until they lost him. And, you know, so he missed out on some big opportunities there. And then they got, he got together with Hero and they they had a great run. They beat Carlito and Masters. You know, they they beat every tag team that was put in front of them. But Hero and Shogun, before they were put together in a tag team, were probably two of the most dominant singles wrestlers that we had but they kind of got forgotten and lost in the shuffle because they were doing the tag team thing and after hearing what Shogun I had to say within the next day Hero came in asking the same kind of question and my thought process was well it's hard to differentiate like hey, this ain't a bad idea. You know, I could do ice and Shogun. You know, Shogun had that one opportunity with Chris Bay that I believe was at an anniversary show. And I'm like, well, if there's any guy who's more deserving, I'm not sure. You know, Shogun's a guy who's been very loyal to FSW. Uh, I'm pretty sure almost every match he's had in Vegas has been with FSW. You know, he wrestles our shows. He finds out if there's certain dates before he takes a booking somewhere else. And he's really earned the right 
And, you know, with so much going on, it's easy to overlook. And then Hero comes in and it's like, well, Hero did did just beat Che Cabrera in a singles match, who's one of the best competitors around. And Hero, before he was part of the tag, was hugely successful. So my thought process is, hey, you know what? This could be really fucking interesting. Because Hero and Shogun really aren't on the same page. The heavyweight title's on the line. I know it's not going to make Ice Williams happy that Hero and Shogun, instead of a singles match, wow, I walked in. You know, sometimes you walk into something and it's like, wow, he just walked into a giant piece of shit. Here is, you know what? Because of outside circumstances... I think we have gotten the best option for an anniversary show because the anniversary shows are generally as locally based as any show we run. Right. And we give opportunities to a lot of the students and all this other stuff. It's like homegrown talent, a match that will feature three FSW Rookie of the Years yeah. in this match, fighting for the biggest title in FSW. I'm like, how can we go wrong? We got the outside cell. We got Chris Bay in the Bullet Club. We got Hammerstone back. You know, we got a cash in the case ladder match. We got a women's title, a no-limits title, a four-way for the Nevada State title. This is a damn fucking good card. And Hero and Shogun, you know, no disrespect to the Battle Royal, but they are main eventers. Yep. And having them in the main event or the co-main event because obviously the tag title matches the co-main event. Right. I think that we made our card substantially better when I thought that was not humanly possible a week to 10 days ago. Yeah. Yeah. That's a, it's a very, you know, uh, like you said, it's a very solid card now rounded out with that match. Um, and a lot of focus on, um, you know, FSW uh, guys who have been here, who have put in the work and put in the time. Um, the Nevada State match uh, is a great example of uh, four guys that are going to, you know, go to the extreme to... Uh, been with us forever. Yeah. So now... That brings up a, an interesting point. I mean, Greg Sharp obviously has, you know, been a, a major bad guy uh, through his actions over the last couple of years. Um, but when you have four guys that the fans are so familiar with and so uh, loving of and respectful of, um, does that bring a smile to your face, that idea of those four guys could very well split the crowd 25% each and really make it a very engaging match where, you know, almost, you know, 
a quarter of the crowd wants each of these guys to win. Well, first off, I think you're incorrect because I think at best maybe 10% are root for Gregory Sharp. I don't think he I don't think he'll be on an even scale with the other guys' popularity. He is extremely well respected amongst the FSW fan base. Yeah. I believe there is a good amount of people who really enjoy Gregory Sharp that would cheer him. But I've also seen Clutch portrayed as a heel get a lot of ba- a lot of fan love and yeah. you know Remy's through the charts and Jake's been one of the most popular wrestlers in FSW for years. Yeah. So it's definitely going to be a match where it, it makes it seem weird because are the fans reacting to everyone? Who are they rooting for? It's going to be interesting to see the dynamic in that match. You know, right. Remy Marcel, he's held every title. He's held the Nevada State title twice. He's held the No Limits title twice. He's held the tag team titles more than once. You know, Jacob Austin Young, tag champ, No Limits champ. And you got Clutch, multi-time former tag champ who's never had a singles title. And he's angry for it. And Clutch is always that guy, you know, if it's half empty and half full, he's looking at it as half empty. He yeah. never looked at it as, yeah, but you did this, this, and that thing. It's like, what about me? Where have I been? Why ain't I on this show? Why didn't I get a shot at Hammerstone? You know, he's always, you know, you give him an inch, he wants a he wants a foot. You give him a foot, he wants a, a yard, you know. And he's a guy who is supremely confident in his ability. Well, here you go. Here's your opportunity. You know, you came back, you walked into a whole feud with Nick Xander. You won the last match, but hey, well, you won the last match, but Nick Bugatti was at ringside. And then you went on and you did some other things. And now you kind of been in, you've been out a little bit. You got involved with Sharp, a lot of history from back in the day when they were kind of more uh, enhancement talent as the agency that they were a part of. And they were kind of put together as a tag team. And I know Clutch has a little resentment toward back then because he feels that even though the perfect scenario wasn't a tag team with Gregory Sharp at the time, that he felt that maybe Sharp didn't put forth the full effort to try to make the tag team work. And Clutch feels like if I'm getting given an opportunity, I need to take advantage of it the most. And he feels that maybe uh, Sharp was more concerned with his own career and instead of making what they were put together to do work. So right, wrong, or indifferent, that is the chip that is on Clutch's shoulder when it goes comes to Gregory Sharp. Um, 
what makes this very interesting is the fact that Greg Sharp could lose this title without ever being pinned or submitting. So does that cause a potential, um, <laughs> I guess, problem for you as, uh, as the one who's going to have to deal with hearing about it? Uh, if he does lose the title, um, he's going to be probably a hundred times more uh, angry and, and mad about it. Um, is that something that, you know, could be in the future where we're looking at Greg Sharp wanting to get a title back that technically he never lost. You know, that is definitely possible. That's happened, you know, unimaginable amount of times in professional wrestling. Yeah. So it's definitely something that he has to look at. It's no different than uh, Ice Williams. Where Ice Williams has two guys, who knows? Maybe Hero and Shogun have a master plan and say, hey, bro, let's do this. Right. Now, of course, the question becomes, you got to be a humble individual to say, hey, I'm going to take the pin for you. Right. Because I could see one of them two saying, hey, you know, I got this idea. And the other one saying, yeah, it's a great idea. Other than I should pin you. Right. And and even in matches, we've seen the best alliances fall apart extremely quick. Right. And that's in a regular triple threat match. So... With the FSW title on the line, I can't say if if Hero Lou has ever had an FSW heavyweight championship match. Right. Why would he risk it? The, the issues with Shogun and Hero are they both feel like they're the top dog. So I think me personally feels that both of those guys want to go out and not only prove to everybody else, but prove to themselves that they're the better man. Right. Which also could end up working to Ice's advantage because Ice is a master manipulator and maybe he can massage something to where maybe it doesn't seem like that they're going to help him in any way, but inadvertently, you know, it's definitely possible. You know, I've heard some people, not me, that maybe Hero Lou ain't the sharpest knife in the drawer. Now, that's not coming from me. That's coming from other sources. Uh, Well, that maybe uh, they feel... Let me rephrase it. Maybe... (laughs) You know, it's more of Hero Lou being overly nice, let's just say. Sure. That Hero Lou usually is not a guy who wants to take advantage of a situation. You know? Yeah. 
if something's going wrong, like even though him and Shogun weren't on the same page when Tito came out, Hero still ended up coming out to help his partner. Yet earlier, Shogun was nowhere to be seen right. when it came to being an assist in the singles matches they had. Right. So, you know, your head can explode analyzing those two guys. So now it's like, you know what? I don't have to worry about you, and you don't have to worry about me. But they are guys that were put together because they were tight as tight can be. So does a couple of bumps in the road end it all? Or is it something that they can overcome? and, and And it's just a little hurdle. So, you know, I guess now June 18th, we, we, we may have an answer. We may not. Yeah. But it's definitely, uh, uh, it's definitely made that match for the heavyweight title a lot more intriguing. Because if he wrestled TJP, it's like, oh, okay, he's wrestling the guy from New Japan. There's not, there's not much history there, you know. TJP is the guy who comes in. He lives in Vegas. We love TJ. He helps out in trains if he's not in Japan. But he's there more, almost more than he is in the United States. But when he's here, he's helpful. He wants to work shows when he's around. You know, you know initially he was supposed to work the anniversary show because he hit me up about it. He was going to work Natural Born Killers. But the schedule is the schedule. So TJP is more of a hired gun. So. Yeah. There, there's no pass. And if Mikey's going to put together a video package, wow, here's a guy who started, you know, Hero Lou started which when Shogun did, but he tore his ACL. So he was gone for over a year and a half. When he came back, Shogun was the reigning rookie of the year. And then he right. took that. And probably the year or so before that, Ice Williams was the guy who was the rookie of the year. So, he, you know, Ice Rookie of the Year, he became the No Limits Champion. And then he became the Heavyweight Champion. Shogun was a Rookie of the Year. And he became a Tag Team Champion on a couple occasions. Hero was a Rookie of the Year. It took a little while. He became a Tag Team Champion. (laughs) So, these guys understand and know what it takes to be a champion. And yeah. now they're on the, the 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 biggest the biggest pinnacle. They're in not only an FSW heavyweight championship match, which is the pinnacle, but at the anniversary, that right. is you know that is something special. So you want to talk about a divide? You know, it's hard to say who's more popular, Hero or Shogun. Yeah, uh, it's it's very interesting and. One of the interesting thoughts that you kind of said um, is co-main events uh, with the tag team titles and the heavyweight championship, which presents a very interesting opportunity that has, I don't think, ever been done in pro wrestling because it's never necessarily been done this way. Um, And that is Braxton still has the cash in the case. Now, he has to cash that in before the end of 
the cash in a cash match, right? Is or or before the start? Uh, I guess we have to look because technically last year's cash in the case was June nineteenth. So <laughs> if you have one year to can't to, to to cash in, there is no show June nineteenth. So there right. really shouldn't be any issues with him like me in my head was you know what the next anniversary show right because if the next anniversary show was say 364 days i would still have the allowance of doing it we would you know the rule would be broken if you say you well you have one year okay well we're not in that situation but we have one year well, that would be going against the stipulation and stripping somebody of an opportunity. Well, so, and uh, so, and we know, okay, like you said, so there's there there are no matches on six nineteen, right? Uh, so, yeah, know. you know, there could be an empty arena one. <laughs> but the, but the theory then becomes this: whether he cashes it in before that match that actual match or that match uh you know he he cashes in that match happens um or he keeps it and that match happens and now we got two caches you know cash in the cases um the question is could we potentially see two cashins in one night that is definitely a possibility but the way the card is structured, there's eight matches on the show, okay? I have the cash in the case penciled in as match number six. Okay. Okay? So, technically, match seven and eight will be championship matches. Right. Okay? Now, the question is, which championship matches? Right. There's one food for thought that the women's match is not moving from this number seven spot. Okay. And then the question becomes match five and match eight. Right. Which are the co-main events. So the tag match could be five. The tag match could be eight. The heavyweight championship match could be five. It could be eight. I don't want to change. I always have those issues. You change one thing and then makes you change four things. Right. I'm totally content with matches. Match one's the battle royal. No doubt that there, there's no questions asked. Match six is the cash in the case. No questions asked. Now, obviously, there's other things that could be filled in and where we're going and with the titles. But I felt the bridge should always be with the women's match. But being it's a cash in the case, there is no bridge match. So generally it's not, you don't want to do singles male championship followed by singles males championship. You want to break it up a little. So we're we're still contemplating that. Yeah, it's just, it's an interesting thought because... I don't think there's been any scenario that we've really seen as wrestling fans 
that has allowed the potential of two different people or <laughs> let's be honest, Braxton could cash in the case. The second match of the show for the Nevada state title, lose that match and then work his way into the ladder match somehow and win the cash in a case again and have it for well, that, 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 that one isn't happening. I can guarantee you somebody had mentioned that. Okay. But that definitely is not happening. But yeah, he could cash in. How crazy would this be? Okay. So X wins the cash in the case in match six. Right. Let's just say match eight is Ice Williams versus Hero versus Shogun. Right. Well, if Ice wins, Braxton either forfeits the cash right. in the case or he has to wrestle ice, right? Right. So, if the faction are confident that Ice Williams is going to win, that means Braxton has no choice because he has three other championship matches. Right. He's got the No Limits, he's got the Nevada State, and he's got the tag team. Okay? So he has three options. Do you say, you know what? I'm going to hold this as an insurance policy just in case Ice loses. Right. But if he wins, I forfeited the case. Right. Okay, now what happens? What if the tag title match is the main event? Right. And Ice is match five. Well, Ice can say, you know what? I'm going to wait for that match. Because the problem is, if Ice wins, he has to now wait for the tag title match. Right. But if the faction win the tag title match, is he going to bring Ice out and they're going to wrestle the faction for the tag belts? Right. So, so that's so, a fun there, thing to think about. Yeah, the, there is a scenario that by the end of the night, the faction has lost the cash in the case, they've lost the heavyweight belt, and they've lost the tag belts all in one night. All in one night. <laughs> you can witness the implosion of the faction on Sunday afternoon. How Sunday evening. How is that not worth the price of admission? And thankfully the Golden Knights won't be playing on Sunday no matter what. Right. So we won't have the issue. I remember they were in the playoffs or it might have been the Stanley Cup. But I remember we were at Samstown and we had the game on because I think it started an hour or two beforehand. And I remember having the game on because there were so many people like not wanting to come. It's like, oh, we'll put the game on for you. We'll put it on the other screens. Like it was a real issue on getting yeah. some of the fans that are hardcore FSW fans to come to the show 
because of the Golden Knights. Yeah. So, so yeah, that, that there's a lot of interest, and being a proponent of controversy creates cash. I have to also see in my head, hey, what can we do here to screw over this possibility? Yeah. You know what I mean? Now, what happens if it's the tag title match and the Bullet Club win and Braxton brings in somebody to cash? They lose, let's just say. But the faction attacked the Bullet Club. Well, now the guy who won the cash in the case from two matches earlier, maybe he comes out with a partner and picks up the carcasses of them. So there's 20 different people who could be champions by the end of the night. And maybe it's a Bullet Club member from one of the 20 or 30 different Bullet Club circles in this world who uh, cashes in with the winner of the cash in the case to win the titles from the bullet club. You never know. I know there's a lot of heat between, uh, you know, Finley and the other bullet club guys. And yeah. you know, what, it, what are the good brothers are there in Finn Balor? Are they still kind of bullet club, even though they're not bullet club anymore? Cody Rhodes. Hey, <laughs> our good buddy, Jeff Jarrett, I can make the call. He's, he's a bullet club guy, you know? Yeah. Yeah, and then AEW, uh, they've got the Switchblade, and they've got uh, Juice Robinson. So, yeah, there there are so many scenarios you've just opened up the Pandora's box of professional wrestling scenarios. So, um, any final thoughts here as we uh, wrap up this week, Joe? Uh, You know... You can be me and have your head go insanely crazy thinking of every scenario. Or you could just chill, watch some Golden Knights hockey for a week or so. Watch them win the Stanley Cup. And then join us at the Silverton. It should be a big party. You know, uh, it's our return. You know, we want to bang it out, hit a home run. The show's huge. So, you know, we're looking forward to everything. Is is there uh, any chance that if they do win the Stanley Cup here before the 18th, that you can talk to your uh, your man and uh, possibly get the Stanley Cup to make an appearance at the anniversary show? Well, I will be seeing Omar and his crew today to set up for the uh, interview on Friday. And being that it's all about bartering and working relationships, I can go on record and say that our our venue and our talent are going to be utilized for this commercial at no charge whatsoever. Joe is giving it away for the potential of being at the Dollar Loan Center. But I will bring up to Omar, like, hey, we're not getting nothing for this. How about, you know, somebody shows up on the 18th and goes on the ramp. You only have to stay for 20 minutes. Yeah. How cool would that be? Amazing. I am going to hit Omar up. 
Hey, man. I should say, bro, Stanley Cup. It's the Silverton. We can charge like 20 bucks to take a picture with the Stanley Cup. I kick back my guy, Omar. You know, he might be able to make four or 500 bucks. You know how many people? And what you do is you charge 20 and you put like five people in the picture. So it's still 100. Right. (laughs) You know what I'm saying? Right. But you cut down on the time. Right. There you go. We're now offering two meet and greets. The meet and greet with the Bullet Club and the meet and greet with the Stanley Cup Championship. Oh, man. There you go. I'm not going to charge you for this week just for that idea, man. Hey, once, once I get one. There you go. That's Take it me. off the tab right there. Take it off the tab. Oh, man. Well, everyone, uh, again, uh, you know, get your tickets now. Uh, you can go through the uh, Silverton uh, website to get tickets for June 18th. Again, it's Father's Day, so that's a good little Father's Day treat. Take your dad out to see some uh, some good professional wrestling. And uh, you can also, again, catch uh, this if you're not in Vegas on Fight Plus. And... Um, it's definitely a show worth uh, catching live, uh, especially if you're on the East Coast. Uh, it's a good right before bedtime type of uh, event. So definitely uh, check it out. And uh, we'll be back next week with a little more talk about what's going on for the anniversary show and uh, kind of have some final thoughts before we go into it. So until then, everybody, have a great week and we'll talk to you guys later.